from the beginning of the world. From the foundations of the world, Yeshua was slain, or he was proposed to be slain. So on the heels of Hak Pesach, or Passover, which we celebrated last Friday, not all of us made it. And Jennifer, we had we had a taxi come to pick her up, but she wasn't here. <laughs> so if if you was here, we would have took you. <laughs> I was here. Can you use him? I came, but I look on the Oh, you never seen the guy, John. John came. So we celebrated Passover last week, signifying the substitutional sacrifice of Yeshua on the cross for the sins of the world. And then it is followed by Chag Hamatzot, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Anybody know what that signifies? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. So leaven is the form of sin. So unleavened meant that he was a sinless sacrifice. So only a sinless sacrifice would be able to uh, die for us. And then last Sunday, we celebrated what? Easter. 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 Resurrection, yeah? Yes. Which is the feast of first fruits. So Yeshua was the first fruits from the grave. And we are the next fruits. He was the first, we are the next. He would come and save us. So that was fulfilled by the resurrection of Yeshua from the grave. So tonight I wanted to look at how precise and how much attention to detail that our Lord used in laying out the end from the beginning. So that's why we're going to Genesis here to see the beginning and how it affects the end and we can bask in the glory of the Lord's work. That we can take it all in the depths of his love for us on our behalf. What we want the world to know is that the Bible is not just a book of religion or morality or just a book of spiritual things. It is all of those, all of those things. But what we really want people to do is to understand that the Bible is a book of accurate history. <coughs> accurate. 100% accurate. So the first book of the Bible, which we're taking a break from tonight because we're in a season of Pesach, the Bible relates to us the account of the biological, geological, astronomical, and anthropological history of the universe. That means life, the dirt, the stars, and man. And this history is confirmed to today's sciences, observational sciences like genetics, now uh, we can give our blood and we can tell where we're from, uh, how many percentage we're, you know, Hawaiian, African, or whatever. You can look in biology, geology, and astronomy. Because this history as revealed in the Bible is true. If it is true, which is science proven to be, then the Christian gospel concerning salvation from our sin of rebellion in Adam, the first man, happened, and he's true. What happened was the Son of God put on flesh and stepped into history to become one of us and to die on the feast of Passover, which he filled that prophecy to a team. 
Uh, remember, he had no sin. He was a sinless Lamb of God. And that fulfilled the unleavened bread. He became a sin for us on the cross. And because the shedding of blood was necessary, he had to put on flesh. So Yeshua was first raised from the dead, he conquered death, which fulfilled the feast of first fruits. Now he offers a free gift of salvation to all to live with him for eternity in the new heavens and new earth, and then in an eternal order to all those who will receive it. So in history, we see Adonai's plan for the ages and how prophecy has been fulfilled with 100% accuracy for Yeshua's first coming. Today, in our lifetime, we are seeing prophecy being fulfilled today. In our eyes, we will see how Israel has become a state of it. How the Bible said it would be flourishing in the last days. And how the Jews would be going back to the land in Aliyah. The Jews think they're going back for the blessing, but the Bible teaches they're going back for the judgment. The Lord is gathering the Jews from the four corners of the world for judgment in rejecting Him when He first came. He came the first time at the Seha Elohim, the Lamb of God, to pay for the sins of the world. And he will come back as the Ha Aryeh Yehudah, which is the Lion of Judah, to rule and reign in his kingdom on earth where sin will not be allowed to permeate society as it is today, right? Today, sin is so rampant. I mean, it's just nuts how crazy people want to see moths and fungus on the tree, but forget about the babies. Yeah, just vacuum up the babies from the mother's wounds. So tonight we're just gonna look at a recounting of biblical history. We're gonna look at the 12 C's, this can be 12 C's. And within biblical history, there are four resets of creation. Four times the Lord had to reset creation, okay? So the first C is coexistence. We went all the way back to eternity past. Within the one Godhead in eternity, they coexisted in eternity. For us humans, we call it eternity past. The one true God who had revealed himself in three persons. Now at this time, Yeshua was appointed to be available for a great work because of the Lord's foreknowledge that creating first heavenly beings, he created the angels first with free will because of free will the Lord felt that there might be a potential to sin, even in creating humanity with free will to worship him could be dangerous but it is better, I've heard it said to have loved than never have loved before uh, for me, being a father, I understand that that um, idea, the illustration. So just as we as humans, we create children whom we love, right? How many of you hate your children? Raise your hand. Yeah, nobody, yeah? Like, we love our children so dearly. Even though we know that there is danger in the world, right? I mean, this world is crazy. I mean, day by day, it's getting crazy, but we still have this love that we need 
to have these children in our lives. So even with impending death to all humans, we still choose to have children and to love our children, even if it means giving our own life for them. Right? If we had to take a bullet for our kids or give up our heart or transplant, whatever, we would do it. The same for the Lord. That's why He took on humanity. Because He loved us so much and He wanted us to be with Him. He took on humanity that He could give us His all, His whole body, His life. His love is all-encompassing. The second scene in history is creation. So the Lord created heaven and earth ex nihilo. That means out of nothing. You know, like nil, nil means zero. Yeah, nothing. I never knew what that was. You know, we used to watch tennis when I was young. I don't know what. Ten nil. Well, fifteen nil. What is nil? <laughs> nothing. So that's what that's the term ex nihilo. Out of nothing. Genesis one one. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And somewhere between Genesis one one. And Genesis verse 2, something happened. And that happened was the third sea was the corruption of the angels. The sin of pride, when Satan wanted to be like the Most High God, he fell. And along with him, he took one-third of the angels of heaven. And now the first reset kicks in because of the fall of angels and the fall of creation. Creation was judged. So we come to Genesis 1-2. It says, After he created the heavens and the earth, it says, The earth was now formless and void, and darkness over the surface of the deep, the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So here God judged creation. And now he's going to recreate from something. Because we see it says here, there was form, but now there's a void. There's darkness. And it also says there's waters. So there's water, there's darkness, there's things already there. So now he's going to recreate from something that is already there. Something that was judged. The fourth sea was another creation. In Genesis 2 and 3 was the creation of Adam and Papa man and woman and what happened to them the same thing that happened to the angels the fifth C was the corruption of man it was the sin of disobedience I know none of you have committed that sin here tonight because we all obey 100% and that was found in Genesis 3 so the first time the promise of the Messiah coming was preached in Genesis 3.15 so right after Adam and Eve sinned, which separated himself from all of his descendants, from our Creator, God revealed he already had a plan, a way of salvation for sinners. Now this is what it says in Genesis 3.15. Because they sinned, he is cursing Satan right now, or the, the serpent. He said, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, Shark, and between your seed, he's talking about the Antichrist to come, and her seed, the seed of the one who will bear Christ, the true Christ. And he shall bruise your head, 
Christ would bruise his head, a death blow, which was first at the cross, and then later on the final blow would be Satan be thrown into the lake of fire for eternal punishment. And he said, and you shall bruise his heel. The bruising occurred when Yeshua was crucified, but he was raised to eternal glory and not eternal punishment. So Elohim further illustrates his redemption plan when he made clothing for Adam and Chabah from animal skin. So the first sacrifice was done by Yehovah. It says, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. This was the first blood sacrifice. But what this sacrifice did, it just covered them. It covered their sins. It never took it away. So every year, when the law was introduced, the Mosaic law, every year, every Jew, no matter where you live in the Mediterranean, you would have to pilgrimage back to Jerusalem and bring your animal and sacrifice it there every year. How many people think uh, many people didn't show up? And as the years go by, they would just forget it. And look today, there's no sacrifice for the Jews. But this was a picture of what was to come in Yeshua. The Lamb of God who would die and be raised from the dead. What happens now, he takes away our sin. He removes it. He didn't just cover it with a bandage. He removes it. <clears throat> so as we look at the truth of this situation, You should think about the fact that as the Lord sacrificed these animals to cover the first humans, Adam and Eve, he knew that one day, his son, Yeshua, would be no sinless one to be sacrificed. But God had already predetermined in eternity past that Yeshua would become a sacrifice for sin. I don't think I could do that to any one of my kids. Like, son, next week. So, <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Even with Abraham, right? Abraham did the exact same thing. In his heart, when he was walking those three days, Yitzhak was already dead to him. And the Lord uh, revived him. I wanted to look at Revelations 13.8. Uh, if you can look in your word, because some of the translations are different. Revelations 13:8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Anybody give a different translation? whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Some says, uh, whose name or the foundation of the life of the Lamb. Anybody, is this, everybody got the same translation? Half the name slain from the foundation of the world? From the foundation of the world. The revelation is looking back. 
But there's different translations that might skew this understanding. So if you go back to the Greek, and you can see the writings, and it, this is the proper translation. So before the universe was created, before time existed, before man created, before the angels were created, God knew when he creates man, man would sin in heaven. He knew his creation would rebel against him. And this is the wisdom and the love of God. In eternity past, he loved us while we were yet going to sin against him. And he even died on the cross for us while we were yet sinners. So his predetermined plan so that everyone in all of his creation would receive eternal life. Now Jesus in the past was just uh, the Son of God. And he created us in his image. Humanity. So for Yeshua, he couldn't become anything else in this world except a human. He couldn't be an animal. He couldn't come as an animal. He couldn't come as a tree or a plant or a whale. He only could come as a human because we are made in his image. Now think about this. When God created the heavenly bodies on day four of creation, so all the stars in the sky and the sun, these were for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. The Moedim. What is cool is he knew that one of the signs would be for the time the Son of God will become a man on earth. So the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 5-8 that God, Jesus, humbled himself, who being in the form of God, lowered himself and made him in the likeness of man. He also was born of a virgin in a town called Bethlehem, Isaiah 7, 14. And Micah 5, 2 says, which Bethlehem? There were two Bethlehems, and one of them was Ephrathah, and that was near Jerusalem. And this star that he created on the first day would guide and lead the Magi to Yeshua's birthplace. And you can find it in the Gospels. Now what was terrific about the Magi's coming is they gave him gifts. And with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What the gold did was it helped him escape to Egypt. So that money was used for his escape. The Lord gave him money that they could escape to um, Egypt until Herod died and they could come back into the land. And that can be found in the Gospels and in the book of Daniel and even the book of Numbers. Now we know we're celebrating Pesach. What did they, uh, anybody know what day Jehovah uh, created the trees? You get six choices. <laughs> Think about this. It was the third day. He created the trees on the third day. What was Yeshua crucified on? A tree. When did Yeshua raise from the dead? On the third day. This tree was like a symbol of what was to come to. Tree. The third day. He was crucified on this tree on the third day of creation. So when God made the trees and all the plants on the third day of creation, he knew that a tree would one day be used 
for the most evil, you know, heart-wrenching event in history. But it was the most rewarding for you and I. It was terrible for Yeshua, but it was great for us. So by Yehovah's foreknowledge and predetermined plan, this event will occur that we could be saved. So on the sixth day, Elohim made the land animals. He knew that he would soon sacrifice at least one of those animals because of sin. And he knew he had predetermined that this would one day happen to his son. So all of these things in Genesis are precursors or illustrations to see what would happen in the end so that we could receive this free gift of salvation. And then when God cursed the ground and he caused the thorns and thistles to grow because of sin in the world, which is found in Genesis 3.18, the Lord knew that one day these thorns would be used to pierce his brow. I mean, these were huge thorns. Like, I know in our yard we had this guy had planted a palm tree in our yard. We didn't ask him to plant that tree, but he did. And that tree came big and it was like full on everywhere on the trunk. Trunk and the leaves. All on the leaves. Oh. So one day, me and my sons, we're going to get this on. So we finally suit off. No matter how careful you try, you get stabbed, you get poked, you get ripped. But he knew that one day that would be used to be smashed down on his son's head as he paid for our sins. Mark 15, 17 says, And they clothed him with purple. They were mocking his God, Godhood and his kingship. And they smashed down a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. Because of this first prophecy of the coming Messiah in Genesis 3.15, in Genesis 4, Eve, after giving birth to her first human in history, said, Behold, I have given birth to a man. Do you know who she called him? Et Yehovah. She said, I have given birth to God himself. That's what she said. But as it played out, she found out that Cain was not God. Because that was the same thing. She began another son, Havel. Et Havel. So she believed that she had been given birth to God himself. So her theology was correct. That God one day would become a man and be birthed through a woman. But the timing of Messiah's arrival was mistaken. It would occur years later. The sixth seed is catastrophe. So after all this occurred, the sin, evil just went rampant to the world. So a catastrophe happened. So the word for the flood is Hamabul. Hamabul is the worldwide flood. Remember Genesis 6? The angels um, took wives and they had babies with them and that's why they call them Nephilim or the fallen ones. They had these evil offsprings. And that's why this flood occurred. This was the second reset. 
of humanity and creation. This flood flooded the whole world. It wasn't just in the land of Israel or the Mediterranean. It was the whole world. And how many humans survived? Eight humans. If you guys think of some Chinese, can you tell you about the Chinese characters and how uh, the ape and the art, the Chinese characters, are, it's pretty cool. So only eight humans survived in that catastrophe. So again, society builds up, population grows, but they try to build a cigarette, right, into heaven. And what happened? The next sea is confusion happened. The confusion of tongues happened in Genesis 11 in the Tower of Babel. Now we learned when we went to this, the confusion of the tongues was the twisting or the moving about of the Hebrew language. So the Hebrew language can be found bits and pieces in almost every language, in fact, even the Hawaiian language. So the Hebrew language was used to form other languages. So that went on, and in Genesis 12, Yehovah makes a covenant with Abraham that through Abraham, Yehovah will bring forth the promised seed. So now, we're going to see how the Lord makes this wide. He's going to be the father of the multitudes. I mean, today, if we look at how many religions look to Abraham as their founder or descendant from him, Christians make up 33% of the world's uh, believers in Abraham. Islam makes up 21%, and Judaism makes up a scant 0.2%. So more than half of the world's population say they descended to Abraham. So that would mean today's population is almost 8 billion, 7.8 billion people. So almost 4 billion followers follow and claim we sent to Abraham. So today, Abraham's followers would beat Instagram. If he was on uh, Facebook or Twitter, he would have over 4 billion followers. <laughs> Do you believe that? So Abraham, he doesn't need all that. All he has is the word. And 4 billion followers. I think that's the record. So out of these billions of humans, the Bible will now start the narrowing process of the possibilities of to whom the Messiah would be. So in Genesis 22, the Messiah came from the seed of Abraham. Genesis 24, we saw it would be to the seed of Isaac. And then Genesis 25, which we're at now, would be through the seed of Jacob. And then what did Jacob have? He fathered 12 tribes. The tw 12 tribes of Israel. So now it's getting smaller. 12. In Genesis 49, it says the Messiah would come out of which tribe? The tribe of Judah. So of the 12 tribes, one tribe is chosen. So the prophets, that was in Torah. So the prophets say, in Isaiah 7, that he would be born of a virgin. So that's uh, really lessening how many people from the line of Judah was born of a virgin. Isaiah 8 said he would be the promised Emmanuel, the God with us. In Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a son is given. 
Jesus was given from the Father. He would also be the herald of the king. He was also in Isaiah 42, the servant of Yehovah. In Isaiah 50, he talks about how Yehovah would wake up Yeshua in the morning and train him every morning. That's why when Yeshua was 12, he could actually articulate well with the doctors of the law at the gate of the temple. He was also known that he was going to be crucified as something servant. In Jeremiah 23, he was called Messiah the King. In Micah 5 2, that's where we looked at earlier, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, would be this one person. So not everything has to be precise. Zechariah. In the end, Israel will recognize who the Messiah is. He is also called the Good Shepherd, that he would shepherd the flock of Israel. And he was also called the Messenger of the King. So from billions through scripture, prophecy has narrowed it down to one person. Uh, I saw the statistics, they say if one, if Yeshua fulfilled one, just one prophecy to a team, it would be uh, one in 10 to like 17th power. But for him to have um, fulfilled eight prophecies, eight of those prophecies, would be like 1 in 10 to the 45th power. And if just 50 of them, it's like they don't even have a number for it. But the odds were against him. He was like throwing, uh, he like throwing hits every single time he threw a, and you had a double-headed, a double, well, it's like throwing tails on a, a double-headed coin. It'll never happen. It was impossible for one person to, but, God in his infinite wisdom knew that would happen. So the eighth sea from history, we saw that Christ was born of a virgin. The ninth sea was he was commissioned to do God's will, and then he commissioned disciples to do his work. And then what happened? He ended up on the tenth sea, the cross, where he paid it off for us, where Passover is celebrated on behalf of him. But a lot of the Jews today, they don't realize that Yeshua is the final Passover. So while we were sitting at the table with um, Bud Stonebreaker's parents, I had asked them, you know, what do you guys do for sin? Because there's no temple in Israel today. So they just said, ah, you know, we do prayers and we give alms. I was like, oh, is that, is that what Torah teaches? They don't know, but that's the new way. They're still stuck in their sins, the Jews. And that's why God is saving Gentiles. To tell them. Tell them the truth and make them jealous that we have their Messiah. And that's how it will work. Now the final C is the consummation. The thing is, Yeshua is coming back again. So all the prophecies of Yeshua's first coming came together with 100% accuracy. Yeshua is coming back again. There are other prophecies of how he is coming back, why he is coming back, the destruction that he's going to do while he's back. So we know if all the first coming prophecies came true exactly, the second coming prophecy shall also come true. But we know that Yeshua will first come in the clouds, right? 
For who? Who is coming in the clouds for when he comes back? For the believers. He's going to take all the believers in the rapture to heaven. So all the dead, all the ones who died first in Christ will go up first. And then we who are alive and remain will go up second. What a beautiful thing because the Bible says no one can survive the great tribulation of the Lord. So second, after seven years, he's going to come back to earth. To just the earth and all its inhabitants after seven years. And this is where the third reset will happen to set up his messianic kingdom for his thousand year reign. So there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And in this um, kingdom, sin will not go unchecked. Sin will not be allowed to permeate, permeate society. And then finally, there is the fourth and final reset. Where there will be a new heavens, a new earth, no more sin, and no more death in the eternal order. So in the messianic kingdom, there will be death. Okay? People will be judged for sin. But in the eternal order, there will be no more sin. So after the kingdom, what happens? After a thousand years, Satan will have been thrown in hell in Hades, will be let loose for a while to deceive those for the last time. After that happens, Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. And then hell will be thrown into the lake of death and Hades into the lake of fire. And at the great white throne judgment, all the unbelievers will get their bodies back. Okay? Did you hear me? They're going to get this body back. With these bodies, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. They will never have any relief from this pain. That's why they're going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth for eternity in this body. I mean, even our worst enemies here on earth, you wouldn't want that. You know, something's happened to us in the past and we forgave the people, whatever happened. The consequences they paid, I cannot do nothing about, but I can forgive. Because I cannot see people going into the lake of fire with their bodies. So one of them, at Passover, we saw a friend and she has a student who's in hospice. So he has uh, cancer, he's like eating up all his face, heavy pain, fentanyl and everything. But he hasn't received the Lord yet, he's 28 years old. So she said, I tried everything, babe. I gave yeah, that guy, yeah, he's talking to Tina. I tried everything, I gave him the message, so I said, you try, try asking this. If he loves the pain that he's in right now. And she said, oh, he didn't say, but just ask him, because when he dies, he might get relief from that pain. But when he's resurrected and given back his body, he's going to have a pain again. And the pain will never go away. He will have this pain that will last for eternity. So I, I, left, I haven't heard from her back, back from her yet. But I want to call her. If she didn't ask him that, I'm going to go down and actually share with him because 
if he's okay being in that much pain forever, then hey, be my guest. You know, but Jesus died for you already. He took all your pain. So all believers will enter into the eternal order. What are we going to do there? We're going to worship Him. We're going to serve Him. We're going to learn from Him. I mean, there's so much to learn. It's going to take us an eternity to learn much of what He knows. And for eternity, we'll be living in His presence. We're not going to be hungry, although we can eat. We're not going to be skinny or big. We're just going to be perfect. Yeah. Okay. You know. I don't know. Huh? Everybody in Mombona and wow, they're walking around. That's not perfect. That's how Adam was. So as we look at Passover and what Yeshua did for us and the great lengths that he went to show us that we would not be mistaken who the Messiah was through scripture and his faithfulness we ought to fall on our knees and worship him and praise him continually and let our lives reflect him because this land who was slain from the foundation of the world wanted to love you like that with all his life he loved you with his life or they say, how much does Jesus love us? I'm not sure. So for us as believers, we are to take in and be thankful for the gift of salvation. But we also must go out and get it from the rooftops. If you believe that you are saved, you have to go out. It is mandatory that you go out and tell people that Jesus is risen. But they must believe that he died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. First Corinthians 15. Jesus was born, he died, buried, and on the third day rose again. That's all you got to tell them. If they believe that, that's the gospel that saves. So with that, let us pray as we receive our partake of the Lord's body. Thank mm-hmm. you.